going on there, youth pastors? Paul Turner here from the discipleproject.net and your host of the Youth Ministry Motion Podcast, the podcast that wants to keep you motivated and your youth ministry moving forward. How are you today? It is Super Bowl weekend. Who do you have? Is it going to be the Chiefs? Is it going to be the Niners? Are you not watching at all? I don't know. I'm probably going to watch some of it, but I'm definitely not rooting for the Chiefs. I'm just, I'm just not. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I just, I have had enough of Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey and Travis Kelsey's brother. I'm just, I am over it. Okay. So go Niners. In other news, we have a podcast episode today about church compensation. Are you getting paid what you think you should be paid? Well, let's correct that. Maybe you're not getting paid what you think you should be paid, but at least are you being paid fairly? Are you being paid in a way that is livable? And my guest today, Dan Navarra, is going to help you figure that out, whether or not you are earning a fair wage as a youth pastor. And listen, if you are brand new here today, by the way, hey, thanks for coming in. Thanks for checking out the show. Appreciate you being here. And if you're a regular, as always, I appreciate your time and your attention. And whether you're new or you're a regular, but if you've not subscribed yet, well, go ahead and subscribe and listen, it'll make you feel good. Hit that subscribe button. You go, look, I did something today. I accomplished something. I subscribed to something. Now you can put your feet up on the desk, your hands behind your head, and just sit there in smug satisfaction that you've done something today. And I promise not to tell your pastor. One more thing, let me give you a quick tip. Stick around to the end because I'm going to share with you a little tidbit that we did not get into during our discussion of the 2024 Youth Pastor Compensation Survey. So stick around for that. My guest today is a graduate of Fuller Theological Seminary, a church coach with chemistry staffing, and the author of the 2024 Youth Pastor Compensation Survey. Let's get into the show. All right, Dan Navarra, welcome to the Youth Measure Motion Podcast. Thanks so much for having me. I'm stoked to be here. Well, I'm stoked to have you here because after reading uh, the Youth Ministry Salary Survey, uh, which was uh, my wife and I discussed it at length yeah. <laughs> in our house, I imagine it will cause some discussion here uh, in, in the homes of the people that will be listening today. And so I'm excited to get into it. But let me start off with a, a quick question here about you and your uh, roles in youth ministry. Maybe you have, uh, you know, maybe a, a a youth ministry salary story of your own. Yeah, uh, sure. I have two quick ones. The first one was the first time I ever got a raise. Uh, I was, I, I'm in California. So, and I did 15 years in youth ministry uh, full time. And so back, let's see, the second church I worked at, I was making $36,000 a year. My boss came into my office and said, Hey, you know, we think you'd be doing a really good job we're going to give you a $4,000 a year raise, which if you do the quick math is more than 10%, right? That's like a 12% raise. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I was stoked. I was single. Uh, you know, I was in my like early to mid twenties and I was stoked out of my mind that I just got like a 12% raise. And uh, then I come to find out in out here in good old California, that was actually a wage mandated wage uh, raise. It was not a merit raise. That was a compliance raise. Mm. And uh, so I had to call BS, excuse my French or my abbreviation no. French uh, on my boss. And that was a that was a little bit more of a sad day. But hey, money's money, right? Second one is actually the reason the survey exists. Uh Way back in 2017, I had been at my uh, last church 
for several years and I had wrapped up my master's. And so I had graduated seminary and I had hit the golden 10 year mark of full-time ministry. Uh, and I was like, you know, I'm, I'm probably due a raise here. And Oh, by the way, uh, you know, we've had a kid and bought a house and a minivan and all of that's happened without getting a raise the last few years. And so I, I went on Facebook with the idea of, uh, you know, putting out a quick Google form and hoping that like 40 or 50 youth pastors would give me their salary information. And within a couple of hours, I had like 400 responses. Wow. And that was, that was how the survey got birthed. I realized I touched a pain point uh, and the discussion and the comments on the, of the thread went like real deep. And uh, so I, I did the first ever national youth pastor compensation survey had 2,500 responses over the life of the survey and uh, did my analysis and published my report and brought the report to my boss's office and still didn't get a raise. <laughs> so there it is. <laughs> well, there it is. Well, that, and that will come up here. And we have a question about that a little bit, a little bit later. But yes, tell us, tell everybody, uh, those that are viewing, those that are uh, listening, tell everybody how you collected uh, the data. And I say data. Yep. You say data or data? Oh, data, data, tomato, tomato. Uh, well, I'm a I'm a Star Trek uh, Next Generation guy, so it's data. So, but anyway, um, uh, tell us how you collected the data for the survey. Is it is it cross denominations, cross church yeah. sizes? Sure. Well, so I I, I had good advice early on because I I partnered with the guys over at the Youth Cartel in year one, and I've also kind of partnered up with uh, ChurchSalary.com, which is an arm of Christianity Today. So I've gotten good input from those guys because hey, I'm I'm a youth pastor. I got a degree in theology. Like I don't know how to do data analytics necessarily, but uh, they said, hey, however you collect your data, you got to be consistent every year. Otherwise, you're not comparing apples to apples. You start getting into other fruit species, right? And so. Uh, my, 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 my mode of collecting is there's a Google form now that I've gotten up to like over 50 questions and I, I don't require people to give me their names. Uh, they can give us their names. There's a, there's an optional blank, but we do harvest their email addresses so that we can send them the report for free. Uh, and then they have to answer all the questions and, you know, you can obviously mark, not sure, but I, I post it in a handful of the same Facebook groups that I've been in my whole career. Um, youth ministry 360 youth pastors only download youth ministry. I mean, there's just, there's five or six of them. And mm -hmm. I mean, there's tens of thousands of youth workers. Not all of them are full-time youth pastors in those groups, but um, it usually gets some traction. Plus I send it out to the email list of everybody who's ever taken it before. And uh, we didn't collect emails the first few years. That was one of the mistakes we learned along the way, but it gets sent out and filled out. Uh, the youth cartel sends it to their email list as well. And they have a uh, unusually what I would consider large uh, affiliation, I guess, with um, Presbyterian denominations and Methodist denominations and Lutherans. So mm -hmm. we get a great mainline kind of traditional uh, sample size. And then I always get a, a great turnout on the Baptists. And then, um, and you know, there's there's a lot of different Baptists, but we just lump them together. Unfortunately, that's the way that we've been doing it. So we have to keep doing it that way. And then yeah. non-denominational. And then, you know, we offer the ability for people to pick from, I think it's like 13 different denominational bodies. Yeah. Um, and it's not super nuanced. So, you know, there's not, you know, the 
yeah anyway i could give examples but, of that well, well but, i like the fact i just looked yeah. at it and i just want to say uh, i want to shout out all my assembly of god guys who uh yes who, who took the survey represent ag guys yes. go way to go yes um uh so let's go ahead and just we'll, we'll do do big first and then we're gonna we'll go thirty thousand feet and then we're just gonna zoom in on some key parts of cool. the uh the survey that i think is gonna be of well is super interesting to me and me being a youth pastor uh, i hope it's gonna be super interesting to those who are listening and watching but tell us uh, real quick what do you think is the uh the good news and the bad news about the youth pastor salaries yeah the good news is the salaries have gone up again. The national average youth pastor salary has risen 1.9% this year over last year, which is the same rate of ascension it had the year prior. Um, it, that number needs to keep going up. Uh, it just and based on inflation. I mean, mm -hmm. our industry was underpaid to begin with, but uh, it, it just needs to keep going up, right? If, if we see it start to go the other direction, that is what I would call a crisis. Um, and that it, well, I mean, people would say it's already a crisis, but who knows, but uh, that actually kind of links to the bad news. Um, well, let me pair that with some more good news. So specifically oh, yes. within that 1.9% increase, uh, we saw the female youth pastor wage go up like 7%. It was a really good bounce back year for the female youth pastor wage. And I'm talking about the national average of full-time youth pastors. Okay. Because um, right. there's so much variance in part-time, um, yep. paid hourly, stipend, all that kind of stuff. So uh, that's good. It was necessary because the year prior, uh, we had seen the largest wage gap in my seven years of doing the survey. Uh, it was all the way up to 18%, which, um, you know, uh, not good. No matter what your theology is, we believe that people are people and uh, you shouldn't, I like to say you shouldn't be paid based on your plumbing. And so, uh, that, yeah. you know, if your denomination is going to allow for a female youth pastor, uh, they should be paid whatever a male should be paid. 100%. And that's just kind of a core value that I have as an individual. It's part of the justice bone in my body, uh, that helps me, you know, want to keep doing this every year. And, and so that, that was really good. It brought the wage gap back to 12%, which is what it had been in prior years or thereabouts. Um, so we have recovered some of that gap that we had in, uh, last year. And you're like, well, if the female wage went up 7%, what happened with the male wage? Cause the swing is only 1.9% nationally. And that's some really, I would say bad news. The national average for a male youth pastor actually went down by $500 this year. Yeah. Now yeah. I will say I had 200 more male youth pastors take the survey this year than I did last year. So my sample size is bigger. And typically what the, what I say is the bigger the sample size, the more accurate it is. Um, so, cause you're getting less variation because um, there's some high ones in there and there's some low ones. And so you just, you know, you muddy the yep. waters and the muddy, the muddier the water is, the more clear the actual answer is. I know it's counterintuitive, but that's how it works. No, no, I, I hear you. That is uh, the first year ever the male wage has stayed the same or gone down. And uh, that's something I'm going to be paying close attention to in next year's data, because if the male wage continues to stay stagnant while inflation continues to do what inflation has done, uh, and depending on what numbers you look at, you know, over the last two years, we've seen 15% national inflation. You know, I don't know where the gas is like where you're at, but the gas where I'm at is doubled in price. Um you know, yeah, it's about three so, bucks. It's about three bucks here in Birmingham. 
Yeah, I just paid the lowest rate I've paid in probably two years at three seventy five out here in California. But if you go to the coast, it's six bucks. I mean, it's nuts. Anyway, the, my point is, uh, if that wage doesn't continue to rise for the male youth pastor, we're in trouble. That that's going to be a career crisis for a lot of youth pastors who feel like, okay, this is the number that's nationally average and it's not growing, which means I know what the capacity of the role is, and uh, so. We need to have continual 7% increases among the women, uh, but we need to see, you know, COLA raise, you know, two, three, 4% along the men. So. Yeah. And you make, a, and you make some good points there too, about the fact that there is a youth pastor deficit happening mm -hmm. too, that there's not a lot of guys either, either going into it, you know, they're not, they're not going into it or they're not staying um, partially, you know, I think the reasons are, is the words getting out that the church does not treat its, uh, its associates very well sometimes. And so yes. people are like, yeah, I think I'll check out. I don't think youth pastoring is going to be the jam for me. Uh, how do you see that factoring in with what we're seeing in salaries? Yeah. I mean, so I work, I work with chemistry staffing. That's who publishes this. And so, you know, I have been doing that for five years and our company talks to, you know, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of pastors a year. Uh, it's a candidate's market right now. It has been since COVID hit. And what I mean by a candidate's market is uh, if you are good at your job, you're not bitter at ministry and you are not disqualified from ministry. Uh, and so, you know, you have to be good and you can't be disqualified and you can't be carrying around a bucket of bitterness. If you, if you have those three qualifications, there is a church out there right now who would love to hire you in your denominational pool or not. Um, you know, I, and I've also said for years on the survey results and every podcast I go on, unfortunately, the quickest way to get a raise in youth ministry is to go to the church down the street. Um, that, you know, the average lifespan of a youth pastor, we talk about that in the survey. I'm not going to give the exact numbers here on the podcast, but um, the reality is that youth pastors who've been at more churches, like higher volume of churches, they're typically getting paid more because nobody makes lateral moves. We always try and make vertical moves. That's just kind of standard career practice. And so, and there's exceptions to everything and God's in the middle of it. I'm not, I'm not trying to, yeah, I'm not trying to, you know, say that these are absolutes. I'm just looking at trends. And so the trend is, you know, if you have 10 years of ministry experience and you've been at two churches, you're making less than the person who's got 10 years of experience and has worked at three churches because they left that second church to go to that third church that's paying them a little bit more. So, yep. you know, there's, there's a lot of um, bad news, but also helpful insights to know, right? Like if I'm a senior pastor, an executive pastor catching that, and that's probably not your audience on the podcast, but I know that it costs more money than what I'm paying my youth pastor now to replace my youth pastor with somebody with the same education skills and tenure. So if, if Paul's going to leave my church, sorry, Paul, you know, uh, to go get a raise down the street, uh, maybe I need to come up with what, what in the real world they call LTI, long-term incentive. How can I create some long-term incentive to keep Paul in the, in, the, in the fold, on the staff, on the bench? Because if I want to replace Paul, it's going to probably cost me more anyway. And uh, yeah. so th this is how real businesses run. You know, talent right now is at a premium across the country. If you're good at what you do, somebody's going to pay you more to do it. And so... Yeah, those are just things to be aware of as you kind of negotiate. But, you know, with with any of that comes arrogance. And, you know, so we have to still, you know, have the fruit of the spirit. We need to embody humility still. You know, we're not entitled to anything. God doesn't, I like to say, God doesn't need us. 
but he sure as heck wants us. Right. And so if, we, if I go into this, you know, a meeting with my pastor and say, Hey, you know, you, you need me. Well, no, 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 no. That's bad theology right there. So, you know, I'm not, we're not selling Pepsi here or something. It's, you know, we're doing the Lord's work. So yeah, that, there's a lot, a lot, a lot in there. Yeah. And, and, and we're going to, we're going to narrow that down just a little bit too here in just a second. Was there anything in the report that surprised you? Um, it never surprises me here in year seven. Uh, the, the, the male wage not moving surprised me because I think people have been experiencing a lot of raises coming out of COVID and being retained by their churches. I think that's been something we've seen, but it just hasn't translated into the numbers. Um, let's see anything that's, that surprised me. I, I, I think one of the things I took a closer look at this year that surprises me is, uh, online and how it's correlated to salary. This is something I did a deep dive on kind of for the first time. Uh, I, I, I've always collected data on streaming and multi-site and things like that, but I haven't really used it a whole lot. So I decided to do that this year. And turns out that if your church, okay, streams their Sunday service, makes their service available digitally, and you, by your count, by your church's count, because I really have different metrics, which is kind of the weird part of this. But if you say over a hundred people a week are streaming our content, our services, uh, whether that's YouTube videos, live stream, Facebook, you know, church online platform, whatever it is. If you get to a hundred, uh, chances are your youth pastor is making at least 10 to 12% more than a church who doesn't stream their services. If you get over 200 per week, you're looking at another two to 4% raise like typically. And so what that just tells me is churches that are forward thinking in their discipleship strategy, they're thinking digitally, they're casting a wider net. They are, uh, also being more proactive in retaining their youth pastors, right? There's, it's not like a hard and fast thing, but it's definitely a correlation. And then I, I did a even closer look at it and said, okay, of the 950 full-time youth pastors that took the survey this year that qualified, how many of them say I'm streaming my services, the youth services? And it's not a big number. It's less than 10%. It was like 69 or 70 youth pastors that are streaming their services, their youth services. But the churches that are streaming their youth services, they're like they're 15, 16, 17% higher compensation than the ones that aren't. And so I thought to myself, man, I, I was a youth pastor in COVID. We did the whole, you know, Jimmy Fallon variety show on YouTube for a season while we were sheltering in place. And I bought the camera for the youth room that would like pan and zoom and do all the things. And kids can run it off an iPad for streaming it on Facebook and YouTube. And we did that while I was still at that church um, for a season. And we only had a few kids watching like three or four kids watching each week. And I thought to myself, you know what? I'm running a youth group of, at that time, it was like 60 kids. If I have six kids stream my service, that's a 10% attendance bump. And there's not a, one youth pastor in the world who wouldn't kill for a 10% increase in their attendance this year. Right. So we need to be able to think, man, that's a lot of work for two or three kids. But like the average youth group is less than 25 kids. If you can get a few kids to watch online each week and maybe even find a college kid or an adult who wants to care for them digitally, like do Zoom small group. Like that's a thing. But that's going to show up in in the effort in your evangelism discipleship strategy when you go for that annual review. Does and I'm interested to, uh, for the church wise church uh, streaming. Mm -hmm. uh, I would imagine that would have something to do with online giving. Maybe is that is that 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 because and I know there's no direct correlation, but obviously the wider the net that maybe that that the connection is because you're reaching more people that maybe there's more people that are giving online, which makes it then possible for that youth pastor to, to have that salary. 
Yeah, I think it was Kerry Newhoff who's done a lot of published research on this, where he said the typical new person to your church that shows up on Sunday has been a new person for six months. And so they've been watching online for you know up to six months before they've come in person. And many churches are finding that the first time somebody shows up in their database, so before they fill out the connection card, before they join a group, before they register for an event and you get their information, the first time they're seeing somebody's name, address, phone number, and email show up is in a giving record digitally because they're choosing to give online. And yep. uh, so- you know, digital strategy is not going away, right? There, there. We as youth pastors have, you know, been on social media for, you know, since it was a, since MySpace, right? Like we That's we've right. been there and we've been That's trying right. to leverage it and figure it out. And uh, youth pastors that are looking away from that and saying, you know, let's get back to meeting in person and all that. Come, you know, as we've come out of COVID and stuff, they are missing an opportunity to leverage the technology of today. And AI is going to spike it huge in 2024. Yep. Get on the AI train uh, and how right. to, and when I say that, I don't mean to automate spiritual care, but like automate the processes. I mean, pl- I use planning center. I know planning centers looking at ways of integrating AI into their, you know, guest follow-up circumstances and things like that. Like there's a lot coming there. That might be a fun thing to put in my notes for looking at next year. Oh, hundred percent. And I, I've already, I mean, I, I did, and I'll put for those that are watching, those who are listening, I'm going to put uh, some links down below, but I've, I've done three videos on how youth pastors can use AI Sweet. to make their life a little bit simpler. Uh, and in one of the videos uh, I, I asked uh, Bard, I use Bard AI on the Google Bard. And uh, I asked, I said, would you write me a Bible study on John three sixteen? Uh, in the voice of Homer Simpson. Yeah. And it did. <laughs> and when I read it at the end, it says, uh, okay, let's pray. And then the, it has a little prayer. It says, all right, let's go to, let's go to Moe's and get a drink. Oops. <laughs> at the end of the Bible study, I was like, well, let's, uh, Hey, it's true. It's true. AI can help you. You want to edit that part out probably from your Bible yeah. study. Uh, but if you're interested in AI and how to use it, I'll put some links down below. But let's go ahead and narrow it down a little bit here. Boy, such great information. I hope that those sure. that are watching, those who are listening, are taking notes. Um, let's narrow it down just a little bit. What does the report say about when it comes to education, degrees, et cetera, versus skills? This fascinated me because I don't have a degree in youth ministry. Yeah. I don't have a degree in anything except being yeah. a smart aleck maybe. But uh, so, so, so what would you say to those? Why is that important? The education part versus the uh, the skills part. Yeah, every year I I remind youth pastors that the biggest two factors that affect your compensation are not necessarily in your control. It's the size of your church on Sundays or weekends, we'll say, and the size of your church's general fund budget. Those are the two biggest factors. Churches that are over a thousand and over a million dollars, they just pay more. They have more. Um, and youth pastors think, oh, I graduated seminary. I deserve a raise. There's some truth to that, but it's, it's more about the size church you're at than it is anything else. Okay. Um, so within that, then what do I have control over? I have control over my tenure and my education and, and, you know, skills are quite subjective, right? Are you a good speaker or not? Well, you can get coaching, like you can do things to sharpen that, but like it's subjective. You're not getting graded on a flat scale against the youth pastor down the street, but the youth pastor down the street might have a degree and you might not. Right. Um, in, in years past, a master's, and by the way, the numbers on youth pastors who have degrees, they are astronomically high. 
Okay. And Paul, you just said you don't have a degree. You are in the minority. It's something like 85% of youth pastors have completed a four-year degree, not are in school. They have completed it, which is wild. That is against the stigma of non-professional stick them in the basement. All they know how to do is order pizza youth pastors. Right. And dude, you've right. been doing it for 30 something years. So like you are the exception to the exception, right? Um, That's right. Because you've had the staying power without having the higher education. Good, good on you, man. Love it. Uh, say so. Uh, what used to be a trend, you know, and I'm going back three or four years in my data, is if you had a master's, uh, a seminary level master's education, right? So and above a four year degree completed, um, you were being paid sixteen ish percent more than a youth pastor who only had a four year degree. And the one with the four-year degree is being paid 10% more than the one who doesn't have a four-year degree, okay? Um, so if you have your AA or a youth ministry coaching certificate or something like that, that, that that's the, it, does, it just doesn't count on your resume. It might be good for getting your foot in the door somewhere, but in terms of dollars, it's just not showing up that way, right? But right. if you get a master's from an accredited seminary, you can count on 16% more. That number has gone down every year for the last few years. This year, it's worth like 11 or 12%. 10, maybe even been 10. I don't have it right in front of me. But the point is the gap has been narrowing and a master's that, you know, I went to Fuller Theological Seminary. My master's was a $75,000 MDiv. Like that's a lot of money to make five grand a year more than a contemporary down the street. Like that's how many years is it going to take to pay for that, right? So quite a bit. And my situation was different. I was in a Presbyterian denomination. They value education. They actually paid for a lot of my seminary. But like, just generally speaking, you and we see this at chemistry staffing. I, I don't tell me what you've learned. Show me what you can do. Is that's right. That's that's the crux of the it, cross, right there. Right. It's it, about competency, is what yes. I have found. The things that I learned about youth ministry, I had to learn. I had yes. to build skills. I had to figure out, uh, you know, how to work with parents. I had to figure out all these various things that I had to, I had to, and obviously through failure and through other things, yeah. but eventually you reach a point where, where competency has to take over. And I think that's where pastors are looking for competent people, not necessarily the, the smartest people, not necessarily the people who have maybe uh, the, the paper per se, but there's a, what can you do? What can you do for this church? What yes. can you do for this youth ministry? Is that, is that saying it right? hundred percent. And I think that's one of the reasons you've seen such a decline in mainline denominations and myself included. I was raised in the Presbyterian denominations and I left for non-denomination because they wouldn't ordain me until I finished my master's. Well, my, my MDiv is 126 or 144 units. My undergrad was 126, right? I had a four and a half year master's to finish before I could get ordained, get a housing allowance, you know, have retirement benefits, all that. So I had to leave because I had a family. And yeah. so I think you've seen that across the board in some of these main, I mean, the Methodist church is, is one of the worst ones, man. Like, and they, they hire a lot of women, but they pay them nothing. And like, I'm, I'm being, I'm being a little bit, you know, sarcastic here, but like they're the most egalitarian denomination and they're the worst paying one. So like, and the AG church, uh, you, you think you said that your AG was, we were doing introductions before this podcast, the AG church is notorious for having the lowest paid, licensed pastors yep. right so they give their uh, they the ag's giving out assemblies of god they're giving out 
housing allowances, meaning they have a licensed, commissioned, or ordained youth pastor. Okay, those right. that's the the legal code. Yes. Uh, to people who don't have any sort of degree, which is fine, right? Yep. And and they're paying them nothing, even though they have a license to do ministry from their denomination. Versus the Presbyterians, right. like they're paying people who don't get a housing allowance like 10% more than the AG church, even though they don't have a license to do ministry because in the Presbyterian church, you can't get a license until you're ordained and da, 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 da. So it, it's a little bit confusing um, in, in one sense, but I, I do a pretty good deep dive this year on denominations in the survey. Uh, I break it down into uh, you know a table that kind of lists off the ones that had critical mass and helps kind of rank them so you can kind of see. And if you're early in youth ministry, uh, I, I I get to guest lecture in Duffy Robbins' class in youth ministry uh, every year on the East Coast. Uh, it's a really fun treat because he's yeah. one of my heroes in youth ministry. He and every year I tell well. his classes that have yet to get their first full-time job. Pick your stream very carefully, uh, especially if you're a woman, because... Uh, yeah, the Methodist church might be the quickest way for you to get a job, but it's not the quickest way for you to grow a career that's sustainable and life-giving. Um, so, yeah. it, it, I mean, we're, we're pretty deep in the weeds there, but, uh, there's some really valuable, I think, principles for people to grab onto there. Oh, oh, a hundred percent, a hundred percent. And, and I'm not an AG apologist. I would like to say we are getting, I think we're getting better. We, we need to get better, uh, yeah. at, at, at various things. Uh, but I, at least in the state of Alabama, I know a lot of female youth pastors. So, and a lot of yeah. people that are ordained through the church and so forth. So, I think uh, that's a that's a good thing. Um, mm -hmm. So, when we when when you're talking about uh, the uh, you know the different churches and so forth, let's go to um, when a youth pastor. Let's get really super practical now because sure. not that this not that this hasn't been really problem. I'm talking about like really down needle point kind of yeah. like. When a youth pastor goes in for a job interview, how do you advise the youth pastors to use data like this to their advantage? Like you said earlier, yeah. taking this survey and throwing it on somebody's desk and going, hey, by the way, you're underpaid. <laughs> uh, it's not going to work. It's not yep. going to work out quite the way you think it's going to work. No. Uh, so tell us then, I tell these youth workers and, and those who are listening and pastors, there are some pastors who listen. Sure. How can they best use this, uh, this information to their advantage when going in for a job interview? Okay. So a couple really down and dirty practical things. Uh, I have several years of data to support this, but if you can't, if, if you don't know your church's attendance and giving numbers, you're not going to make good money. <laughs> right. R relative to other youth pastors. Okay. Knowing your church's attendance and general fund giving budget and the trends that are happening in those numbers. If you're interviewing at a church, one of my questions I would have for the, per for the pastor or the board that I'm interviewing with is what has attendance been like coming out of COVID? Are you trending in the right direction? Are you staying flat? Or is it going down? Be honest with me about what you've seen happen with that because they'll have a variety of answers, right? Especially coming out of COVID. And then the other one is giving and giving was more stable during COVID than a lot of people thought, but now churches are feeling the surge of we're having like use phrases like how many giving units does this church of a thousand have? If it's 200 giving units, maybe the attendance numbers, you know, fake, right. Or, you know, yep. how many giving units has your church had, you know, in the last few years, right? What's the trend been like? What's the trend in overall giving? How many of those givers are giving, you know, 
high capacity gifts, right? They're giving $50,000 a year and the, the budget actually is not quite sustainable because who knows if they're going to keep giving that, right? Like, like just be critical and be knowledgeable of the budget in that interview time, because that's going to give you a clue. The other one is, Hey, what's your, what's, what's the debt of the church? Like, cause I promise you the mortgage is getting paid before your salary. I 100%. promise you 100% because if they don't pay your salary, they fire you, you're gone. Uh, they can't fire a mortgage company. They default on their loan and they lose their building, right? So the mortgage gets paid first. And then if there's money left over at the end of the year, your, your executive pastor, your senior pastor, they have a choice to make. Do we pay down the principal on our loan and move towards financial stability as an organization? Or do we hand out a raise to our youth pastor? What do you think they're going to choose? <laughs> Probably the mortgage, unfortunately, for uh, us. Yes. Which might yeah. be the right move for the organization, but right. but it, it, as far as like building a career, that's pretty tough, right? So right. I, I just like like what's the debt like of the church? I interviewed at a church that had a five million dollar debt note, and they told me what their monthly payment was, and I'm like, that's like twice my salary. Like, there's no money. They need to get out from under that as fast as they can. Every available dollar that they have is not going to go to personnel. They're going to pay the minimum on right. personnel and put the maximum towards the principal yeah. and interest of that mortgage. Okay. If yep. you go to a church that doesn't have any debt, God bless you. Ask a question like, what's your what's your mission budget like? Because some churches that don't have debt, they're giving 15% away to missions. Well, that's a sliding scale. 15% of $1 million is $150,000. If $1.1 million comes in, like they, they still have to give away 10% or 15%, whatever the number is, right? Yep. So. Churches that don't have fixed missions budgets, that's another one to be aware of because the missions budget, if the giving goes up, they are taking from Peter to pay Paul, right? Exactly, exactly. And I think too, such an important point, you know, 10 years ago, 15 years ago, right? These questions, youth pastors used to go in for jobs and beg for that job because they were beg so they were so desperate to be a youth pastor. They were so I will run through a wall for you. What can... Pay me anything you want. That's correct. Yes. And now the the and I, I'm saying this to those that are watching, those that are listening, is this: is you have to ask these questions. These yes. are not. The, don't go in with a such a hungry heart. You may want to do it, but you have a if you have a family, if you're if you're thinking about having kids, if you are moving across the country, these questions have to be asked. You're not just a youth pastor. This role of youth ministry is vitally important to the church. It's no longer, uh, it's not an accessory. I think it's yeah. 100% vital. And yeah. you have to be willing, youth pastors, to ask these questions. You have to have the gall, the yes. nerve. Don't just ask about facilities. Don't just ask about the youth ministry budget. That's fine. Yep. But yep. these questions that Dan's talking about, these are critical questions that are going to, uh, uh, pave either pave the road to success or destruction uh, yes. for your for your salary and ask, for your economic future. Ask the senior pastor, what have you gotten a raise in the last five years? What has that been like? Because maybe the board decides on raises, right? Ask him. Nope, haven't gotten a raise in five years. Uh oh, probably not a great spot for you to experience career health. And you know, I got my I got into full time ministry. I was single. Uh, I got married at my while I was at my second church and had a kid and learned the hard way that they didn't have dependent coverage. Like 
like, what do you mean? I have to pay $500 a month for medical for my kid. Like I don't, I only make $3,000 a month, $4,000 a month. What, how, how do you afford to live like that? Right. And some of you are trying to wrestle through that stuff. Asking what the benefits package is like asking what paternity leave or maternity leave is like, do I have to drain my PTO in order to go be home with my newborn kid? Those are questions that I, I tell senior and executive pastors when I'm on those podcasts all the time, be generous with your paternity or your maternity leave because it doesn't cost the church a penny. It just costs like time, but give that time as a gift to your young youth pastor or children's pastor or worship pastor who are starting a family. That's the easiest way to love them. And that's long-term incentive LTI keep them with that. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and you're so right on with that. And I, I appreciate you telling that to these youth pastors because based on the TikToks I've observed uh, from generations here, <laughs> there are going to be some lots of disappointment among the Gen Z uh, generation possibly that when they hear they go what we have to pay money for insurance yes ask for you have to ask for insurance you have to ask for those things yeah. uh, because if you're going in with the with the old with an old mentality uh of saying you know that the church is going to do everything for me the church is an organism but it's also an organization yeah. it's it's going to operate as an organization and yeah. so it's going to it's going to cut budgets. It's going to it's going to cut salaries. It's going to do what it has to do to survive. And its first commitment is to the survival of the organization, not necessarily the survival of the staff. Sure. Couldn't so let's more. jump into. We got a couple more questions here. Um, what are some? What do you think are some key? Now those are for those people going in for interviews. What are about those who are already hired, already in their jobs? What are some key indicators youth pastors can be looking at to determine the chances of a raise or yep. to or to use the data in a way to help perpetuate? They already yep. know some things, but they want to perpetuate. Say, how do I how do I move the dial a little bit to favor maybe a raise in the next year or so? Totally. Squeaky wheel gets the oil. That's the first principle you need to understand and and just take to heart. Uh, there is a uh, a tendency when you work for a nonprofit in general who has a scarcity mindset, right? The, and, and most nonprofits have a scarcity mindset that if I ask for more, I'm being greedy and selfish. And that's not true. I'm going to say it nice and loud and crisp for you in my adult voice. That's not true. It's not greedy and selfish as your bills go up and as your life expenses go up and as your experience and education and competency goes up, that you are not compensated fairly for that. That is unfair to you, the youth pastor. And so being so squeaky wheel gets the oil. The best thing you can do, and I have years of data to prove this, is have an annual review with your supervisor where you talk about your compensation. Half of youth pastors, more than half, 54%, I think it was this year, of youth pastors did not have an annual review in the last 12 months with their supervisor where they could talk about compensation. Guess what? If you don't talk about it, it's don't ask, don't tell for most churches. There's exceptions to every rule, but I'm just giving you the harsh reality. Youth pastors who have an annual review are making 6 to 10% more than their brothers and sisters who don't have annual reviews, okay? That's hard data, okay? And here's what I will tell you. I started the podcast by saying I brought the salary survey into my boss and said, I think I deserve a raise. And he said, no, we can't do it this year. The next year I got one. Be and it wasn't because he didn't want to give me a raise. There just wasn't money in the budget that year. But yep. that pot 
I set on the stove. I initiated and set it on the stove. It didn't come off the stove. It just was on the back burner for a year. But when he could, he knew that pot was still trying to boil. He moved it to the front when he could. And he and they worked hard as an organization knowing that I can't put this off another year, right? So it's yeah. initiating the conversation in humility, but also in boldness and courage, right? To know what you're worth. And we talk about this all the time in the survey results. I help give like th this year, I did a whole thing on what's the average youth pastor? What's their tenure like? What's, what's their education like, right? How many nights a week are they out? All that kind of stuff. So that you can kind of compare yourself. And comparison is the thief of joy. I don't want the comparison to make you go, man, I suck at this, right? I need to quit. I need to go sell cars or teach or do whatever. No, God called you. Stick with it, right? But yeah. I put that in there so that you can feel empowered to say, you know what? I haven't got a raise in four years or seven years or 11 years. I hear all those types of stories in the comment section of the survey every year. I read every single comment and pray through every single comment that I get, because there's this whole spot that I say is confidential spot for feedback. If you need to rant, go for it. And boy, do people do it. Right. Ooh. And so I read through those and I pray for you. <laughs> uh, but I'm just saying like, get in the room with your supervisor, bring the survey to your supervisor in advance. Don't ambush them with it. Say, Hey, there's a survey that's been going on for the last seven years. There's hundreds of youth pastors that take it. I'd love for you to read through this in preparation for talking about, and this is the language I would use, in preparation for talking about my performance from last year and expectations for this year. That's how you go into a, a, a annual review. You don't come in and say, I think I deserve a raise. Okay, I was young and naive and didn't know any better. You walk in and you want to reference your last year's performance and talk about expectations for this year's performance. And if I meet those expectations, what can I expect? Right? What? And that's what we, that's a merit raise. You earn the raise. Some churches don't have a mechanism for merit raises. It's just based on education and tenure. Well, then you have a salary schedule that you should be able to plug yourself into and know beyond a shadow of a doubt what you're going to earn. I was at a church that did that. They do not give merit raises. They don't give bonuses. There's none of that. Okay. Well, Okay, if I'm going to be here 12 years, I know what I'm going to be making because they're going to give this raise each year or they, they're going to try to if the money's there. Anyway, yeah, the great strategy is have an annual review. Talk about it. Send the survey to your, your supervisor in advance. If you can't get a review with your supervisor, I highly recommend figuring out which board member is the most friendly to you. Do you have one? Of, do you have a board member's kid in your youth ministry? Pull them aside after youth group when they're picking their kid up one night. Hey, I, I've been here a few years. And I haven't been able to have a review. You're on the board, right? Hey, would you mind talking to the senior pastor and just mentioning, hey, D you know, Dan hasn't had a review in, in a few years. Maybe it's time we do a review. Would you, And then, hey, would you like me to help? Like, you know, board members want that kind of, they want to hear that. But anytime you raise the flag, you got to be prepared that the captain might think it's a mutiny. Like there's- You are, you are, you are a subversive. Yes, yes. And, and so you just have to know that uh, if you're not going to be quiet and be a doormat and just take whatever they give you, that there's right. a chance they may dismiss you. I have heard for every story I hear of Dan, thanks so much for the survey. It went great. I got a raise. I have three stories of my boss didn't know how to handle the fact that I was asking for more when the budget is in a crunch and they let me go. It happens. It really does. I, I just want to like, that might feel catastrophic for you, but I want you to imagine yourself doing five more years at that church. Like right. that's catastrophic for you. That that's that right. supervisor did you a favor.
by that's cutting right. That's right. No sense in being miserable. And I also, I also tell when I coach guys too, I say, look, everything's negotiable. Don't take anything else on your plate. Don't accept any other roles or responsibilities in the sense of your portfolio. If they're going to make you do children's ministry as well as this, because the children's pastor left, everything oh, yeah. is negotiable. Don't just do it because you love youth ministry. Do it because you love your family and you want to see your family succeed and you want to, you know, pay your rent, you know, uh, don't let your passion uh, for, for, for doing the work, uh, you know, gloss over the fact that, listen, you, you do have to pay bills. Uh, maybe, maybe have a retirement, uh, something like that. You may want to consider those things. Uh, as we start to wind it down, Dan, tell us, is there anything you want to say to pastors who might be listening to this podcast? Yeah. Get creative on ways. I know everybody's hurting for dollars these days. Get creative. Um, figure out that family from the church who's got a cabin up in the woods or on the beach or at the lake or whatever, and say, Hey, would you be willing to gift that to our youth pastor? Like get, give them a week of vacation, not comp time, not vacation time. Just like so many youth pastors are not eligible for sabbatical. Like I, I take data on this, give them a mini sabbatical. Or if you've got a designated fund sitting around at your church that is earmarked for for books or for education or something like that, you know what it would feel like for a youth pastor to have their senior pastor walk into their office and say, hey, I want to give you $200 to buy any book you want, any books you want. Buy as many books as you want for 200 bucks. That's not coming out of a program budget. It's coming out of a designated fund that's been sitting there for years. That's a huge gift to that youth pastor of, I love you. I care for you. I want you to be healthy. I want you to feel encouraged. I can't send you to Catalyst this year or the Orange Conference because that's, you know, $1,500 or whatever, but go buy $200 worth of books and, and go read at a cabin for a week. Like go, go do that. And like, take your family with you. If you can't have a family, if you don't have a family, go by yourself. Like those types of things cost the church nothing oftentimes. That's um, right. I already talked about paternity and maternity leave. This is one of those things that will separate the churches that care about their staff and their long-term health from the ones who are trying to use up their staff. Okay. If your kid, if your youth pastor has a baby, give them a month off, give them two months off. I dare you. They will feel loved whether yeah. they're male or female husband or husband or wife. And I'm not saying give them it like furlough them. I'm no pay them their full salary while they're gone. Starting a family, adding to their family, yeah. figure out coverage. And that's their job, right? Youth pastor, you got to be able to find some volunteers who can hold the fort down for six or eight weeks. Like that's, that's right. what you got to be able to bring to your supervisor. But like, what a gift. It doesn't cost church a penny to do that because it's already money in the budget that you're paying on the salary. Like if anything, it's going to save them money because they're not going to be buying pizza for kids. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, so yeah. figure out some, some LTI, some long-term incentive Otherwise, there's a church that's going to figure out that long-term incentive and you need to be able to compete with them. That's what I tell your pastors. There we go. Pastors, take notes. Dan, yes. thank you so much. I appreciate your time so much. The, the Absolute pleasure. I appreciate you doing the survey. We appreciate the wisdom you've, you've collected uh, over these seven years. How can youth pastors get a hold of the report or uh, if they have more questions, how they can reach you? Uh, yeah. Tell us where they can do that. Yeah, I'm sure it'll be linked in the show notes and stuff like that. You can email me anytime. I feel like I talk to a youth pastor, you know, a couple times a month right now, just doing kind of like light versions of career coaching. Uh, you can email me at dan, D-A-N dot Navarra, N-A-V-A-R-R-A 
at chemistrystaffing.com. And I, I'll jump on Zoom with you anytime and talk you through housing allowance, talk you through whatever situation. I, I, I love it. I do it for free. It doesn't cost anything. Um, the report is free. You can find it on the chemistry staffing website. That's chemistrystaffing.com. Uh, and then, you know, the other thing is if you're, uh, in a hiring season where you're at a church that's trying to make a hire, I'd be honored if you'd consider using chemistry staffing to help, uh, find a healthy long-term fit for a position at your church. Uh, that is, you know, the way that chemistry staffing as a business makes its ends meet. And so we make the survey available for free to care for the community. But, uh, and then if you're looking for a new, a new gig. If you feel like God's closing the door on one season, uh, we're always looking for great candidates. And so go to the website, fill out a profile and join our community of people that are trying to be healthy, long-term fits for churches. Um, yeah, that, that, that's really it. Boom. Thank you for all the wisdom bombs, Dan. Have a great day. I like to imagine that some of you were just sitting there listening to the interview and Suddenly, you had an outburst of, show me the money. Now, listen, I know that most of us got into youth ministry not because of the money, but because of the mission. But that doesn't mean that we shouldn't be paid a fair wage for doing the work in the kingdom. And if you're interested in the Youth Pastor Compensation Survey, you can download it for yourself. There'll be a link down in the description. And you may be wondering, what is that uh, quick little fact there, Paul, that you guys did not talk about in the interview. And that little fact is this, it's one line in the survey that says, perhaps the best thing you can do in 2024 for your career is get some coaching. So I'm gonna put some links down below to the coaching service I have. I have a monthly coaching, then I have a deep dive coaching. So if you're interested in coaching and you wanna improve your skills, which will then improve your compensation, then check out those links and see if coaching is for you. And that is it for today's episode, everybody. I hope that you enjoyed it. And don't forget, if nobody has told you lately that you're doing a good job, let me tell you, you're doing a good job and you probably deserve a raise and you're only going to get better. We'll see you in the next episode.